view, California. He is the grand sachem of Republican campaigns in California, the man who pioneered modern campaign management, steering Ronald Reagan to the governor's chair in Sacramento and advising him well into the White House. Part of Stuart Spencer's job was to see problems coming far out ahead and to stop them from happening. He was on the job in 1997 when he endorsed a Latino candidate in an open letter that warned his fellow Republicans that the party could commit, quote, political suicide if it didn't mend fences with the emerging Latino voter demographic. Nearly 20 years later, the fences are in even worse disrepair. Ahead of the California primary and after an ugly GOP primary season, Spencer can only watch in dismay as his warnings come true. Love your fields of yellow so, in all your born days, have you ever seen anything like this election? No, never seen anything quite like it. Why do you think things are going, at least for the Republican Party, kind of haywire? In California, it's rather obvious. It's a uh, they're out of oxygen. They need they need they need oxygen. The party, twenty six percent of the people in the state are call themselves independents around uh, that, and 28% call themselves Republicans, 42% call themselves roughly Democrats. And, uh, you know, you go through two more big registration drives, and the Republican Party is going to be the third. Independents are going to be the second. So that that, that is a, a, a deep, deep uh, problem for the party. So, it's, you know, you ask the question, why? Well, there's a couple of reasons, but the big Big picture reasons are a thing called branding. What's the brand the party has? The second one is the tactics they use uh, to correct it, and the two of them tie together. Because it's hard to use good tactics if you don't have a good brand. It's hard to sell soup if it isn't a good soup. Well, what is the party's brand in California? The big one that's affecting the most is their anti-Chicano. Uh, the, the verbiage they use to talk about Chicanos and uh, people come across the border and become citizens and so forth and so on. Now, you were a sort of Nostradamus almost 20 years ago. You sent me a copy of a letter called Wake Up Call for the GOP. You said you were endorsing an elected leader and that you were concerned that the party might be committing political suicide, as you wrote, in dooming itself to permanent minority status in California if we do not take advantage of the opportunity presented by this particular candidacy. But you were concerned then, almost 20 years ago, about the GOP and Latino voters. Yeah, that's, uh, that is true, and it's coming, it's coming true. You know, politics is not a science. Politics is an art form. Political campaign is not an educational tool. It's a reactive tool. So you've got to pay attention to the demographics, their ethnic changes, the economic changes. All kinds of things can be happening out there. You've got to stay on top of those things. And if you're a conservative, then you've got to have conservative solutions to those problems. If you're a Democrat, you should have a more liberal solution to those problems. The Republican Party, in many ways, is in the last four years been a party of no, not a party of, uh, hey, we have a solution to that. It falls within our conservative principles. Is it the party that then needs to to change to deal with this changing electorate, and, and what does it need to change, and what should it hold on to? Well, you know, that's 
that's not for me to say. Uh, you, you can hold on to your belief system without shoving it down people's throat. Let's put it that way. You can go back historically and see a lot of candidates, like Ronald Reagan, who was one of my clients, who was a very conservative guy. And he believed a lot of very conservative principles, like he was a pro-life person. But you didn't hear him talking about that. Otherwise, he, he knew where he was and what he was trying to do. He had more important things in his calendar than that. So he wasn't going to screw up everything he was trying to do with the nuclear problems with Gorbachev, with tax reform, et cetera, et cetera, by taking on, say, a Roe versus Wade fight, which, you know, the right-wing Republican elements have always wanted. Many times you just... You have to sit and prioritize and then go with the things that are going to go sell the best uh, within your philosophy. I, Ronald Reagan, do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. That I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. And will One of the, the of measurements that people use now to show how the party has changed is the question of whether Ronald Reagan could even be elected today in this climate. Do you think he could? Well, that's hard to say. That's a long time ago, and some of this element of people in the Republican Party want to go back to Ronald Reagan. You can't go back. You've got to keep moving forward. If Ronald Reagan was alive today, he'd be moving forward, too, because he was a very pragmatic, astute politician with a conservative belief system. As you pointed out, the fastest-growing registration in California is people who don't want anything to do with either party. Why are people so disenchanted with a party system? I don't know if it's this and the Trump thing is, is what's showing your point, I'm sure. But it's not necessarily the parties. It's they're angry, they're mad, they're disenchanted for a dozen different reasons. I mean, the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. That's a big problem that's out there. Some people have the fear of immigration, the fear of people who are different. It's not a single issue that's driving this anger. And, and I don't think that the anger is uh, that much at either party, or the term they always use is establishment. You know, what is the establishment? Uh, uh, who knows? You know, we're a country of 350 million people, and we actually have five regions that are very different. We have the South, we have the East, Northeast, we have the Middle West, at the West Coast. You know, people eat different foods in those areas. They, they even speak differently. They sound differently. Uh, they have different thoughts different approaches, and yet we only have two political parties to channel that anger, which means the party's got to have a big tent, either party, if you're going to you know, get to the number like I, I like to use, a 51%, which is the one that, number that wins elections. Is Donald Trump just the beneficiary of that, or is he leading it? Well, he's both. <laughs> <laughs> he's both. He's a demagogue, and he's going after it, and he knows it's out there. And uh, he's been he's been using it. I was like everybody else. The first two months of the debates, you know, I thought, well, this guy by any standard is going to walk off the end of the cliff. But after about two months, you know, I woke up. I don't think a lot of people woke up yet. But the fact that this guy was onto something, there was a lot of anger out there, and he was giving them uh, the food to keep it going. His isn't really a coherent Republican conservative platform. So who now is carrying the banner for small government and lower taxes, all the standards that are part of the Republican 
beliefs and, and policy system. Well, right now they're in disarray. You know, they're trying, all the groups around the country that are trying to national review crowd and uh, all, all those people are uh, scrambling. <laughs> Some of them hope that Trump loses big so that they hope that there will be a big uh, reevaluation of, of where the party is and what it's doing. I think about three years ago, they did a party, National Party did an autopsy report after two defeats by Obama and came up with a lot of suggestions which uh, were just about the opposite of what Trump's doing. So I think they're in disarray and uh, they're going to have to have another autopsy. Do you think this is the party to lead the nationwide Republicans into fixing what ails them? No, no, they're, they're too far gone. If the party in California went into a real reversal and started to do an outreach in the Hispanic community, making progress and electing Hispanic officials and stuff like that, then, then yes, it, it would be a pretty good model for the nation. The Ruben Barales, who I referred to in the, that letter you read, mm-hmm. has a group called California Grow. They spent about two election cycles, now maybe three, looking for and finding young Republican Chicanos to run for city council, boards of education, supervisorial seats, getting to run and then supporting them. And hell, they've elected 65 or 70-some over the last few election cycles. But that, that action, what they're doing, would be spread much more quickly if they had a better brand to sell. So, uh, yeah, there is something going on, but uh, it's really not identified with the party. <laughs> identified as California Grow. Would these new emerging Latino leaders have the opportunity to say, okay, we are the new Republican Party then? Sure, sure they can. I know some of them that went to the last state convention, Republican convention in Burlingame. It reminded them of Prop 187 days, the intensity, the vitriolic comments, the blah, blah, blah. And a lot of them are going to be college educated or uh, in, the, in the next couple, in the next generation, and which means to me that they're very reachable by a Republican platform, but not if you're going to keep insulting themselves, their cousins, their aunts, their uncles, their brother-in-law. <laughs> it also seems like there's just... In the, in the air these days, a general contempt for government and for the people in government. Yes, it's that... pretty broad-based, by the way. Where does it come from? Well, it comes from uh, two things, probably. One, the expectation of the public uh, that government's good and they're going to take care of me and they're not. And the second part is probably, you know, incompetence in uh, political leadership in government. Seem the best people aren't going into government? Boy, uh, they certainly aren't. In the last 10 years, I look at candidates, they come through here all the time, I talk to them, and uh, I say, ooh, the quality is not that good. Why is that, I wonder? Well, it's, it's no fun to be a candidate. You know, I've said this for 50 years, I would never be a candidate. So if you got to put up with <laughs> <laughs> things you have to give up, it's a difficult job. It's a real dedicated person who can do well in the private sector or any other place in the business world, to give that up and uh, run profits. That's why I always, I really have great respect for that Neil Kashkari or whatever his name was. Republican Neil Kashkari, who ran for governor against Jerry Brown and lost. Yeah. I mean, what he gave up to run against Jerry, I mean, I, I had to respect him for that. How, how do you think Jerry Brown is doing? <laughs> he's... Okay, number one, he's the new Governor Brown. He's not the same Governor Brown he was in the 70s. What was the term we called him? Moonbeam. Moonbeam. Mm-hmm. He matured. 
doing a pretty good job. He's smart. He's wily. He always has been that. But he's more mature now. Has an agenda, and I can live with most of his agenda. Not all of his agenda, but I can live with most of it. I think he's, he's doing a good job. Social media has changed campaigning a lot. Some of it good, and maybe some of it bad. Oh yeah, definitely it's changed campaign. That's that's one of the reasons of the discontent is with social media. I mean, you can get on your social media every morning and just spout off about what happened to you that day or didn't happen to you that day. Attack a candidate, attack an office holder, attack anybody. I mean, it's a goldmine for people who are, uh, you know, not adjusted to reality. Sure, it's great for quick communication and delivering your message and all that, but there's no referee. In my day, I considered you guys the media the referee. Those guys, they... They held my feet to the fire, right? Mm-hmm. And my opponent's feet to the fire. Today, they, you, you guys aren't in the middle. It's it's a guy in Culver City that's pissed off about something calling a guy in Palm Springs. And the two of them get together and they get a social media and a bonfire starts. There's no referee to say, hey, boys, you got your facts wrong. Well, that's where it's really tough. Stu Spencer, thank you as always for talking to me. Okay, thank you, my friend. Pat Morrison Asks is produced for the Los Angeles Times by Pat Morrison. It's edited and engineered by Todd G. Levin. The audio of the first Reagan presidential inauguration comes from the Reagan Foundation. The song, I Love You, California, is, believe it, the official state song, sung here by Rick Pickren. I am Pat Morrison. Pat Morrison.